interrupted. Uh, but it's so good to be here this morning. If we haven't had the chance to meet before, my name's Phil. I'm part of the team here at True North. And I have a certain unshakable belief that whenever we gather for church, here's a belief that I have, that God wants to speak to us. That every time we gather together as a community, God actually wants to speak to us. Now, sometimes it's a strange thought to say, yeah, God's going to speak to me this morning. And we kind of know that most of the time it's not going to be like an audible voice. Now, here's the picture of God speaking to us, particularly when we engage with His Word, that God, through His Word, wants to take something of Himself and impress it on our hearts. As a wax seal bears the identity of the sender, that God wants to impress something of who He is onto our hearts together as a church this morning. So I want to ask you today, are you ready for God to impress something on your heart this morning? That when we approach God's Word, we're saying, God, would you impress something new upon who I am as a follower of Jesus? You know, it's so, so, so good to be here, so good to, to get into God's Word together. In particular, I want to welcome everyone joining us online. I know you've got your track pants on, your hair's all messy, but all you need is a heart that says, Jesus, would you impress something new on my heart this morning? And for all of us here, also in our track pants, our hair all messy, we're going to have the same heart to say, Jesus, impress something new on me today. You know, we're, uh, we're continuing in a series called Unbreakable. And last week, my favorite campus pastor, Michelle, uh, hit things off for us in the, the life of David and David's anointing. And this idea that that unbreakable faith, that even though there is brokenness in me as a follower of Jesus, even though I will walk through broken experiences, I can actually have unbreakable faith in who God is. And for David, that started in the place of the heart. And for us, that starts in the place of the heart. And if you remember from last week, when we allow the inclinations of our heart, the desires of our heart to be informed by who God is, that's the starting place of a foundation where faith can grow from fragility to strength to being unbreakable. And you know why faith is unbreakable? Because our faith is in an unbreakable name. And that name is Jesus. It's a name we gather in and it's the name that we say, Jesus impressed something new on our hearts this morning. So today we're going to go to, to what is one of the most recognizable moments in all of Scripture, certainly the most recognizable moment in David's life, where the scrappy young shepherd boy stands face to face, eye to eye, with the warrior giant named Goliath. And the story begins with battle lines drawn between Israel and the Philistines. The Israelites are on one hill, the Philistines on the other, and between them there's a valley. And that valley would be the location of the conflict to come, the war to come. But what ended up happening is the Philistines decided that they would approach this with a different strategy. And they'd say, hey, you bring your greatest champion and he'll face our greatest champion. And the loser of that one-on-one -on -one match will become the slaves, the servants of the winner. And the idea was the, the whole armies didn't have to fight together. Thousands didn't need to die. Just two men, one-on-one. -on -one. Now, this was a particularly good strategy for the Philistines because they were able to run their offense through Goliath. Now, if you've got a Goliath on your team, running the offense through Goliath is a good strategy, something a young Kobe Bryant could have learned a little bit quicker on the early 2000s Lakers. Sorry, I'm an NBA fan. I just evidently, I can't turn it off. But the Philistines said, come face our champion. So Goliath, a warrior with scale and ability like none of them had ever seen in their lives. And he stepped forward from the Philistine lines. And he said, who among you, Israel, will come and fight me? I defy you, Israel, 
Send your champion to face me. If you win, we'll become your servants. If he loses, you become our servants. And for 39 days, this defiance and this challenge went on and on and on. And for 39 days, no one in Israel could step up to that challenge. Because for 39 days, the heart of Israel had been taken by the giant. Then on day number 40, something happened that the, that the giant wasn't ready for. A shepherd boy was sent to the Israelite camp by his father to bring lunch to his older brothers. Any guesses who that shepherd boy is? Come on, who is it? It's David. David shows up in the camp. He's carrying lunch for his older brothers. He's dressed as a shepherd because he is a shepherd. He arrives in the camp of Israel. And while he's there, he hears Goliath's regular defiance. He sees Goliath step forward. He sees the enormous warrior that stands before him. And David reacts completely differently to every other fighting man of Israel over the last 39 days. David sees the giant. He sees the same size. He sees the same challenge. He sees the same trial. But he responds in a completely different way. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. You ready for this? You ready for God to impress something on your heart this morning? Are you ready for God to actually bring something of himself and put it on who you are? Man, I want that this morning. So David, he hears this challenge from Goliath, and here's what he says in verse 26. David asked the man standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? David's outraged. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Now, if you're in ancient Israel, that's just a savage burn. So, men, don't, don't freak out. This isn't a literal part of the text that we need to apply to our lives. It's more about the world that they lived in and what that meant. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of who? The living God. David arrives on the scene and he hears the challenge from this giant that went beyond any scale of a man he'd ever seen. He doesn't see the size of the giant. He sees that it's in opposition to God, and he responds in kind. David has a completely different response to the challenge that has beset Israel. I'm going to call it the faith response. David has a faith response to Goliath. Now, here's in, in simple, simple, I guess, the most simple way I can think of it. What, what made David different from all the other fighting men of Israel? Here's what they did. They had a certain equation in their minds and in their hearts for the trial that was ahead of them. And it began with looking at themselves. So they said, okay, as a warrior, I'm say, let's say I'm this big. I'm looking at Goliath and he's like this big. Now, if I'm only this big and I'm going to fight a warrior in one-on-one -on -one combat who's that big, I've got a big problem. If I face that giant, I'm going to lose. Israel's going to be defeated. And every single warrior in the Israelite camp approached that trial with the exact same metric. I'm this big. The giant's way, way bigger. So it's done. And through that metric, the giant and the challenge takes their heart away. Now, David, he shows up with a completely different equation in his mind. Let's be mindful, he's a young shepherd boy. He's not dressed as a warrior. He probably looked close to the least of the men among the Israelite camp. He says, yeah, I'm this big. 
That, poof, that giant, he's, he's a big warrior, no doubt about it. Biggest one I've ever seen. He's a big boy. But you know what? David's metric didn't begin with looking at his own size. David's metric began with looking at who God was. And when you start by looking at who God is, it changes the response to the giants that we face. And that's exactly what David does straight off the bat. And it's revealed in his language. Goliath isn't defying him. Goliath isn't defying Israel. Goliath is defying the living God. He said, okay, yeah, giant, he's a, he's a big man. God's the creator of the universe. God's the one that brought promises. God's the one that is faithful to those promises. God is the one in which the victory is secure. God is the name above every other name whose name is unbreakable. And so he has a faith response. Now that faith response, it didn't just appear. It wasn't just a, a random default reaction that David had and no one else had. It came from somewhere. And it came from a foundation within his life. That there was a foundation of faith within his life so that when he faced that circumstance, his faith wasn't based on the circumstance, clearly. His faith was based on the foundation of who God was within his life. You ready to take another, another layer into this scripture together? Ready for God to impress something else on your heart this morning? Come on, let's go a step further. So David... As we quickly discover, he's not just talk in this moment. And eventually he comes to Saul. And he says to him in verse 32, let no one lose heart. You know, this is a reoccurring theme in the life of David. In Scripture, he's famous for being a man after God's own heart. His whole story begins with having a heart inclined to who God is. He says, let no one lose heart. For 39 days, I can see that this giant's taken your heart. It's time to take it back. Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your, and listen to this word, so key, your servant will go and fight him. You know, part of David's foundation within his life was this one particular attitude. It was almost like the steel rods of his foundation before the concrete would be poured in. And it was this simple attitude. I am a man who serves God. Now, this is a moment where, where it's a fun, a fun opportunity to take a look at King Saul and take a look at King David here in the Israelite camp. Because right now, there are two kings, two Israelite kings in the Israelite camp. One in the eyes of men, which is Saul. One only in the eyes of God, which is David. Remember last week, it was all about the anointing of David as the future king of Israel. He now was the king in God's eyes. So we have these two kings in the Israelite camp. One of them we know is a servant king. Think about how he shows up that day. He's dressed as a shepherd. He's been asked by his father to bring something to his brothers. He's serving Jesse, his father. He's also serving his brothers by bringing them food and provisions. He's also serving King Saul. And through it all, and this is the most important thing, that through it all, he is serving God, the name that is above every other name. So we have the servant king dressed like a shepherd, just a little scrappy kid who understands at his very core that he exists to serve the Most High God. Then we have Saul, the king in the eyes of men. 
Now, one of the things that we learn about Saul a little bit earlier in, the, in 1 Samuel is that he stood head and shoulders above every man in Israel. Dude was huge. And part of the reason Israel wanted a king in the first place is that they would have a warrior protector. And so God gave them King Saul, who was the biggest, most impressive warrior in all of Israel, to be their warrior king protector. That's why he was anointed as king. And for 39 days, this warrior king, the most impressive man in all of Israel, sits back as Goliath defies the army of God. Then we have the servant king, shot with his staff in his little shepherd bag, a lunch for his big brothers. And he says, I've got this. He says, I'm going to take responsibility for this. Saul, let me go and fight him. Now, here's the key thing about David's attitude that we can take from 1 Samuel chapter 17 and impress upon our hearts. That in our journeys of faith, that in our lives, we've got to decide which kind of king are we going to be. Are we going to be the king that sits back and waits for someone to serve us? Or are we going to be the king that says, I am here to serve God? That what my faith looks like is that my life is lived to serve a kingdom that is not my own. Now, here's how it plays out. Sometimes we can live our lives, sometimes without even knowing it, we're about building our kingdom. And we ask God to come and serve us in the construction of our own kingdom. Now, whenever we do that, we place certain expectations upon who God is that are usually wrong. Now, when we place expectations on God and they're the wrong expectations, do you know what it does to our faith? It destroys it. When we expect God to do something that we contrive in our own hearts that's out of alignment with who He is, it has a devastating impact on our journey of faith. But when we change the fundamental attitude within our heart, from God, you exist to serve me and build my broken kingdom, to God, in my brokenness, I exist to serve your indestructible kingdom. That's where unbreakable faith comes from. Because we get rid of the expectations that we place on God. And you know what we trade them in for? Trust. Say, God, I serve you because I trust you. And this is the foundation of David's life as a follower of who God is. So that when he sees the giant, he has a reaction completely different to everybody else. Let's go a little further in our text here this morning. Now, there's certain, certain moments, certain times in Scripture where as I'm reading, I feel myself getting physically mad. <laughs> Have you ever had those moments where you're reading something and it, and it just makes you mad? <laughs> now, I'm not mad at God. I'm not mad even at myself. But I see something here in the life of Saul, and it makes me mad. Now, Saul, the warrior king, he's been waiting for someone to do really what he should have done 39 days ago. Now, this scrappy shepherd comes through and says, I've got this. Your servant. Notice that it's not an arrogance as a young warrior. It's a trust in God. It says, your servant, don't lose heart. I will fight him. Now, let's hear how Saul responds 
to this incredible expression of faith in the young man, David. Here's what he says. You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. And in this moment, Saul is just projecting his own broken heart onto David. He said, I'm the biggest warrior in all of Israel. I can't do this. David, you can't do this. And I'm just like, Saul, be quiet. Is this registering on anyone's rage meter right now? That David is just so faithful to who God is. And then Saul says, you, you can't do this. You're a shepherd boy. You know, I've got to take a quick sidebar in this passage of Scripture. I can't hear this verse and not speak to the young people in the room here today. If you're, if you're watching online and you're a young person, you're a, you're a kid, you're a teenager, you need to hear this verse. And something in your heart, in your spirit, you need to get angry at the voice of Saul that's speaking sometimes into your life. Here's what Saul says. He says, you can't go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. You're too young. You're too little. You're just a boy. You're just a girl. You can't go out and face Goliath because he has been a warrior since his youth. You know, young people, what it's time to say, let me be a warrior from mine. Let me stand for Jesus right now. And this is what David's heart is back at Saul. You know, young people, you're going to face some things in your life that have been broken for a long time. You're going to face some giants that have been around for a while. And you're going to overcome them. <laughs> Sorry, I just got oddly emotional. <laughs> Here's a takeaway. God believes in you, young person. <laughs> Apparently, you've got to be careful when you preach about these things when you've got kids of your own. <laughs> All right, sidebar over. Let me be a warrior from mine. And here's now what David gives him. He says, let me tell you why. This isn't blind confidence. This isn't just a blind expression of faith. Let me tell you why I can do this. And then David explains to Saul what's been going on in his life as a shepherd. Listen to this. He says, your servant, again, that word, servant, has been keeping his father's sheep. Now, when a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised, quick, just gloss over that word, man. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied not me, but God's name, the armies of the living God, the Lord who rescued me. Listen to this, from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine as well. <laughs> Now, what David's describing is a process of formation in who he was as a man of faith. He said, when I was a shepherd, I was faithful in every aspect of what God called me to be. You know, shepherds, they carried a staff. And they carried that staff occasionally to keep the sheep in line, but also to smack predators when they came. Now, normally that would be like a wolf or a coyote. But in David's case, it's a bear or a lion. 
And he says, when those predators came and tried to mess with my flock, I knew that God was with me. I knew that God had called me to be that shepherd, and I took responsibility for what was happening. Now God has called David to be the shepherd of Israel. And he says, as the God who protected me from the bear and the lion, it's the same God that's with me that will be with me as I face the giant. He's saying, Saul, I did the small things well. Only if your King David is fighting a bear and a lion, a small thing. <laughs> he said, I was faithful in the small things. I honored God in the small things. And I'll be faithful and honor God and recognize his provision when the giant looks me down. You know, sometimes I think I make the mistake in my journey of faith that when the giant comes, whatever it is, whatever circumstance that giant is in my life, I think, yeah, that's when I'm going to show up with a heart of faith. That's when I'm going to call on the name of the Lord. But of course, the truth is, if I'm not calling on the name of the Lord on a random Tuesday or every Thursday, and in the normal days and routines of my life, if I'm not calling on the name of the Lord and honoring God in my life in the small ways on normal days, I'm not all of a sudden going to be transformed into a man that's faithful and honoring to God when the giant stands in front of me. This formation in David's life, if those steel bars in his foundation is the attitude that says, says, I live to serve God, then the concrete poured over it is this process of formation, including God in our lives day after day, being faithful in who God's called us to be in the smaller decisions, and then we'll be, then we'll be able to do it in the bigger ones as well. That's what David's speaking to. God was with me then, God will be with me now. And so Saul says, okay, David, you got me. You got me. And here's what he says. We'll go back to the scripture in verse 38. So Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Go and the Lord, excuse me, be with you. Then Saul, and this is, you know, Saul, this passage of scripture, man, he he does my head in. (laughs) He's going to try to mess this up one last time. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic, his own royal tunic. Remember, Saul's gigantic. He put a coat of armor on him, bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword as best he could over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. Now remember, who's Saul? He's the king in the eyes of men. Whose eyes does Saul care about? He cares about men's eyes. So it says, David, if you're going to go out and fight this, you are going to look like something that impresses men. I'm going to dress you up in my tunic, in my armor, in a bronze helmet, and you're going to do everything you can to intimidate this Philistine. You're going to do everything you can in the way that you look to impress the armies of Israel. And David starts trying to put that on himself. And he's like, this doesn't fit because David never cared about the eyes of men. David cares about the eyes of God. So he arrived in that camp as a shepherd, and he goes to face Goliath looking like a shepherd because that's who he is, because what he looked like didn't matter. It was whose name he came in. So here's how David responds. Saul, I cannot go in these. I cannot go looking like this, being like this. It's never who I was. It's not who I am. I'm not used to it. 
So he took them off. Then he took his staff in hand, the same staff he arrived with that morning. Maybe the same staff he used to whack a bear and a lion, and if not, one just like it. He chose five smooth stones from the stream. Maybe taking a little bit of time. He's still just a man. Yep, this one's good. Am I really doing this? Yeah, God's in this. I've got this. He chooses each stone. He put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, his little tote, his little fanny pack. He's got his shepherd outfit. And he goes to face possibly the largest warrior in human history in one-on-one combat. With his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. So we've got to touch on this picture once more. Saul versus David. Where's David's identity coming from in that moment? It's coming from who God is. And so David, looking exactly like he did when he first got there, walks up to the giant, trusting in the exact same name as he did when he first got there, walks up to the giant. And Goliath is outraged. He's like, who is this? This is the most disrespected I've ever been in my life. You send out a shepherd boy? Is this like the weakest warrior in all of Israel? And Goliath is just offended. He's a puppy. You see how big I am? You see what I got going on over here? You send out this puppy? Then David says, check this out. This is like a top five verses in all time scripture. Verse 45, David retorts. He responds to the Philistine. says, you come against me with spear and sword and javelin. I come against you in the name of the living God, whom you have defied. You know, when it comes to the kingdom we're living out of, sometimes we can get pretty attracted to the swords and spears and javelins of life. Those symbols that give us power and comfort. Those symbols that that are about us building our own kingdom. Whatever it might be, living in a certain kind of house, having certain kind of holidays, driving a certain kind of car, having a family that looks a certain kind of way, having outfits that make you look a certain kind of way. And whatever the list of things may be, the thing that God wants to impress on our heart. Stop caring about the spears and swords and javelins of life and start caring about whose name you're living in. And that's all David brings to this battle. I come in the name of the Lord. I don't care about the spears. I don't care about the swords. I don't care about the javelins. I come in his name. I understand who I am in him and I'm living out of who he is. I invite the team to come back and join us in just a moment. We're going we're gonna to praise God together. And I believe that the God by His Holy Spirit is going to impress something on us as a church, gathered and scattered online, wherever you might be. You know, I want to take us to one final picture throughout this passage. And I want to take you again to the kingship of David. Now, David came from one of the 12 tribes of Israel. And the tribe that David came from was a tribe called Judah. Now, the Hebrew word Judah means praise, to acknowledge that God's name is higher than my name. This is what David's doing through this whole story. 
I'm only this big, but it doesn't matter because I come under his name, which is bigger than anything, that is indestructible. So David comes from the tribe of Judah. And before he's anointed king of Israel, he's anointed king of just Judah. He's the first king of Judah. And what do we know about the first king of Judah? He's a servant king. He serves God. He doesn't look like a royal warrior. He looks like a shepherd boy carrying someone's lunch, looking after sheep, serving his dad, serving his brothers, serving his king, serving his God. He's a servant king. And that first anointed king from the tribe of Judah stood over a giant that threatened to take the life of one man. Now, the last anointed king of Judah was also a servant king. His name was Jesus, the lion from the house of Judah. The first king, a servant king that stood over a giant that would claim the life of one man. The last king of Judah is a servant king that would stand over a giant that was trying to take the life of humanity. And the last king of Judah, just like the first king of Judah, had victory over the giant. The first giant was called Goliath. The last giant was called Sin. Now, because of what King Jesus did, sin is defeated in all of our lives. And because sin is defeated, we join the same royal family of God. So the kingship of David, that is a foreshadow of the kingship of Jesus, is now reflected in who we are as followers of Jesus as well. That that royal line lives in you, whether you're 10 or whether you're 60 or a little bit older, or a little bit younger. <laughs> that when we place our faith in Jesus, when the foundation of our soul says that I serve His kingdom, that I'll commit to in the day-to-day -day living a life formed by who He is, and I come under His name. Whoa unbreakable things start to happen in the kingdom of God when followers of Jesus start living like that. Can we stand together? I want to pray for you. And as we do, Josh is going to lead us into a, a powerful bridge. And as we do that, you know, we started this morning with this idea that God wants to impress something of His identity upon your life. That God wants to impress the name that is above every other name in your life so that we would know. doesn't matter if we look like a shepherd or we look like a warrior, if we're small or tall, young or old, that when we come under His name, His unbreakable name, man, God's going to do a new thing in your life. God's going to do a new thing through our church. And if you agree with me in that, would you pray with me this morning? Holy Spirit of God, we thank You for Your presence here today, Lord. Church, just begin to pray. Begin to ask that more of God's Spirit would be upon your life, that more of His presence would be alive in you. Jesus, we thank you for your Spirit. 
We thank you for your presence that's at work here this morning, Lord God. And God, I pray that you would impress your name on our hearts, Lord God. Jesus, I pray that there would be a depth of foundation within our life, Lord God. That for anyone facing a giant today, for anyone that will face a giant in the days to come, Lord, God, I pray that there would be a foundation that runs deep, a foundation unchallenged by circumstance, a foundation that flows from who we are in the name that is above every other name. Jesus, we claim the identity that we have in your kingdom with stopping to live for our own kingdom. And Jesus, we pray that your royal line would be alive in us, that our protection is in you, that our guidance is in you, that our faith flows from you. Holy Spirit, do a new thing, we pray. Praise you, God.